Good morning, everybody. Welcome to part four of the Upside Down Kingdom. Uh, before we jump into the message today, um, I know we've already honored our moms, and I hope that you continue to do that uh, throughout the rest of the day. Uh, but before we jump into the message, we need to honor someone else. Um, many of you know Pastor Frank and Brenda Perino. Um, have been here at Grace Point uh, for quite some time, but what you might not know is this week they actually hit their 20th year of ministry here at Grace Point Church, and we think that is worth celebrating. So um, a few months ago, we started planning and preparing um, to put something together to honor them for their 20-year their anniversary here at Grace Point, and much like many of the events and dates um, over the last couple months, COVID came and just ruined that for us. So whenever we get back on site, uh, we'll honor them properly in, in, in a fun way. Um, but we thought in the meantime, it might be a good idea for us to take just a little bit of time here um, and honor them and, and cheer them on a little bit. So um, they had no idea I was going to do this, so this is a complete and total um, surprise for them. But, but here's what I want to do. I'm going to throw something up on the screen. Um, here's Frank's phone number and email, okay? It's going to be there for a while. Uh, take a screenshot of it, write it down, go ahead and do that right now. And I just want to encourage you. Um, to take some time today um, or sometime this week to send Frank and Brenda some love. Um, send them a text, give them a call, shoot them an email. If you want to call them, go ahead and call them. I'm sure they would love that. Um, if you do send a text, make sure you tell them who it is because that could be a little bit weird getting a whole bunch of texts from numbers that you have no idea who they are. Um, but I just want us to take a little bit of time uh, to love on them like they've loved on us. Um, over the last 20 years or so. So Frank and Brenda, we love you. Uh, we know this is just the tip of the iceberg of how much we want to celebrate you. And we, we want you guys to know we appreciate you. And we love, 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 love what God has done in you and through you over the last 20 years here. And let's make it 20 more. All right? Okay. 2,000 years ago. People worried a lot. And I know there's a lot for us to worry about in our day and age, especially in this moment in history, but it really doesn't compare to the amount of worry that people worried about 2,000 years ago. And so as we've been talking about this Sermon on the Mount, um, when Jesus was teaching on a hillside one day, he looked into the faces of individuals and he saw faces of worried people. And he basically looked at them and he said, do not worry. And then he launched into this um, just an unbelievably brilliant upside down teaching about worry. So in, in light of all that's happening around us, in light of what many of you are facing on, on a daily basis, in light of the statistics and the stories that show the rise of anxiety um, in our culture over the last couple months, I don't think there are more perfect words for us to look at than Jesus' words about worry. See, he knew something that many of us know, but many times we forget. 
And, and so to put all of Jesus' teaching about worry in, in a nutshell, in, in case you fall asleep or leave early or power goes off at your house, here's everything that Jesus said when he taught about worry. I'm going to go through these real quick and then look at what he actually said in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, First one is this. You can't add anything to your life by worrying. Like no matter how good you are at it, you, you could be a professional worrier. And Jesus said, you'll never add anything to your life and you'll never add anything to the lives of the people around you by worrying, which means it's basically a waste of time. Because see, time equals life. When you run out of time, you run out of life. It's a waste of time. You can't add anything to your life by worrying. That's one of the things that Jesus said. Uh, the second thing, something Jesus doesn't say, but he infers it, by saying don't worry, Jesus is not saying don't care. He's not saying that. Uh, you know, I got finals coming up in the next week, in the next couple weeks. Jesus says don't worry, so I'm not going to study. Or your marriage is in trouble, and somebody says, you know what, you should probably go see a counselor about that. You say, well, Jesus says don't worry, so I think I'm good. No, no. You, you, you'll never find a shred of irresponsibility in Jesus. You'll, you'll, you'll never see him say, ah, it'll work out, just relax. So here in a minute, when we look at this, saying don't worry is not the same thing as saying don't care. And then the third thing, which is so incredibly helpful to me, God takes care of his creation and we are the crown of his creation. God takes care of creation, and like it doesn't even have to try. You and I, we have to try. We have to plan for the future. We use reason and problem solving. We have to work together to care for ourselves. Jesus says that God provides for his creation, but values us more than the creation. And that's so simple, but I think we just miss it sometimes. So, if worry doesn't add anything to your life, if it doesn't mean don't care, and if God takes care of creation and you're the crown of his creation, it makes perfect sense for Jesus to say, don't worry. And I, and I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Tim, that sounds so great, and I agree with all that, and I would love not to worry. But how? How, how in the world... Do you not worry? And that question is why I want to point you to what Jesus says. Because Jesus offers his followers the alternative, the solution, the antidote to worry. And if you're not a Christian, like you're, you're not religious, maybe you walked away from the church years ago because of what somebody said or somebody did. Maybe um, you, you just wandered away and quit believing, but you tuned in today because somebody said you should, or you were scrolling through Facebook and you saw me and said, what is that goofy looking guy talking about? I'll watch this. However you got here, what Jesus says about worry is so extraordinary. This may be reason enough to start following him. Like, even, even if you're not sure about anything else that Jesus taught, imagine having the antidote to worry. Like, imagine being able to do something about the things you worry about. So here's what Jesus said 
about worry. If you want to follow along, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to follow along in your Bible or your mobile device, this is, the, again, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, he just spent a little bit of time talking about money. We could talk about all kinds of people worrying about money right now, but we won't. But he's talked about money, and then he says this. Verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? In other words, all that stuff that money can buy, can you add anything to your life by worrying about it? Like, is that, is that possible? Isn't, isn't life more than what you worry about? Hey, even if it's your health, isn't life more than your health? And, and I wonder, because, man, again, Jesus is outside. He's teaching this to people outside. And I wonder if a flock of birds flew over. And Jesus pointed up in the sky and he said this, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and, le- and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And here's a great question. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now, this isn't, this isn't hippie Jesus telling us to chill out and relax, man. He's, he's, he's not saying that. He's saying you can reap and sow. You can store away in barns. You can think about and you can plan for the future. Birds don't do any of that. And my Father in heaven takes care of them. Like, he's given you an ability that he hasn't given any, anything else in creation. So don't you think you're more valuable to him than the birds? And here's, here's the big question. Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? Answer, no. In verse 28, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spend. They don't plan. They don't prepare for the future. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, and he takes us right to the heart of what worry is all about, everybody take a deep breath, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now, I've shown you this before, but I want to show you again in case you missed it the other 20 times, okay? Jesus is playing with his audience here. He uses this, uh, this communication method. He jokes around. He makes them laugh. He, he does it all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, but we miss it because, number one, we're not there. We're not reading it in the original language. We don't know the cultural background and all those different kind of things. But Jesus spoke in Aramaic. Matthew wrote in Greek. And so Matthew has to figure out how to write this in the way that Jesus said it. And so Matthew takes two Greek words, He combines them, and he comes up with a new phrase that you can't find anywhere else in all of Greek literature. And it basically works out to mean this. You little faithers, you. And and if you just laughed or chuckled to yourself, that's exactly what the crowd did when they heard Jesus say it. He's playing with them. He calls them little faithers. Because, come on, how big is your God? Like, how big is God? How important are you to him? Look at our world. Look at creation. Look at the complexity of creation. And they had very little idea compared to what we know today about the complexity of creation. Think about how smart God is. 
Think about how involved he's been in creation, and you're the crown of his creation. Why would you worry, you little faithers, you? Translation, worry is an issue of faith. Worry is an issue of of trust. It's an issue of confidence in God. And Jesus says to his audience, and I think he says to us, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, he says, the reason you're so worried about food and clothing and the future is because your anxieties reveal your priorities. And when your priorities start getting stretched thin, your faith starts getting stretched thin. And I'll tell you how to stop worrying. But first, you've got to see the connection between your worry and your faith. It's a faith issue. It's a trust issue. It's a confidence in God issue. Let's get through the rest of it. Verse 31. It says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? All of those things are about the future. And then he says, for the pagans run after all these things. Pause right there. Um, Jesus is not criticizing. He's not condemning pagans. Um, He's talking to a Jewish audience who believe that there's a God who cares about them personally. And pagans are people who don't believe in a God that cares about them personally. And so Jesus is saying, quit acting like them. Quit, quit living like them. Quit worrying the same as they do. Now, we, we talked about anger last week, and, and that's one of the sins that I have to repent of often in my life. But worry is not. And so what I'm getting ready to say is going to sound flippant. It's going to sound like I don't care but, but I don't mean for it to sound that way. Please hear my heart in this and not just my words, okay? We are in a moment in history where people are losing their minds. And, and I thought about giving you a couple examples here, but I thought that you would start worrying even more, okay? So I'm not going to give you more reasons. But here's the deal, especially Jesus followers. You and I, we're facing the same uncertainty that our neighbors and our coworkers and our family members who don't know Jesus are facing. And when we respond the same way, when we worry like everybody else around us, we are running after the same things pagans do. We are thinking, we are operating, we are acting as if there is not a God who knows us personally. And Jesus is reminding us, We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to live differently. And this is a window in time for the church to have an opportunity to do just that around our neighbors and our coworkers, our kids, our families, and in our entire sphere of influence to model what faith and hope and peace looks like in the midst of uncertainty. Because see, our worries aren't any different, but our response should be. It should be. That's what I think Jesus is getting at. That you may have plenty to worry about, but don't worry like people who don't believe in a personal God like you do. You, you, You may not have control over what happens around you, 
but you can control your response. That's what I think Jesus is getting at. Here, here's, here's how he says that whole thing. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. I think this is about 95% of it right here. Okay? Imagine. Imagine you're, you're laying in bed tonight. You're winding down, and, and your mind starts going to all the things that you're worried about. Okay? I just want you to imagine. Imagine if God audibly whispered to you, I know. That's all he said. Okay? After you got done freaking out from hearing somebody whisper to you in the dark, what would that do to your faith? What what would that do to your confidence in God if there was an abiding certainty that he knew what you were worried about and he knew what you needed. Jesus Christ, God in a bod, who died for your sin and rose for your life, looked into the crowd that day and said, this might be a little hard for you, get, for you to get your mind around. But your Heavenly Father knows what you need. Wow. And and then, here it is. Here's the alternative. Here's the solution, the antidote for worry. He says, stop doing that, and here's what I want you to start doing. Many of you have heard this a thousand times, but listen to it again in the context of when Jesus said it. But seek first, or run after. Pagans run after all these things. I want you to run after his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. At the epicenter of Jesus' teaching on worry is this idea that we're running after something that we can never get, we can never grasp because it's about tomorrow. Worry is about chasing things emotionally and mentally that you can never get because they haven't happened yet. And, and just like people who have no concept or, or confidence in a personal God run after or seek first things that they become overwhelmed by, Jesus gives his followers an alternative to that. Here, here's what I think he's saying. Here's kind of my summarized version. When you're tempted to borrow from tomorrow, look for a way to participate with God today. It even rhymes. Isn't that cute? Hopefully you'll be able to remember it, okay? This is the antidote for worry. That, that when you're getting ready in the morning, when you're driving the kids around, when you're laying in bed at night, when you're on a walk, when you're at work, wherever you are where you're tempted to borrow from tomorrow, when you're tempted to run after or to seek first something that hasn't even happened yet, Jesus says, look around and find a way to participate in what I'm doing today, right here right now. We're going to come back to that, so hold on to that, far, that, that, that thought. That thought. In, in the next verse, Jesus relabels all of our worries. So real quick, I want you to think, um, I want you to think of one thing that you have been most worried about lately, right? 
And I know some of you are going to have to think really long and hard to come up with something. I want you to think about one thing that you are really worried about. Get that locked in because Jesus is getting ready to relabel it. Okay, got it? Here it is. Therefore, do not worry about, and just go ahead and fill in the blank with whatever you've worried about most lately. Jesus says, don't worry about that. Because from now on, if you're going to follow me, I want you to think about it as tomorrow. Think about it tomorrow. When, When you worry about paying your bills, you're worried about tomorrow. When, when, when you worry about your health, you're worried about what it could do to you tomorrow. When you are worried about the economy or your retirement, you're worried about tomorrow. Whatever it is, we reach out and grab from tomorrow or next week or next month or next year, next decade, and we drag that thing into today. And Jesus says, let me just give you a little tool here. From now on, I want you to say to yourself, you know what I'm worried about? I'm worried about tomorrow. And, and tomorrow could mean, you know, food and clothing for one generation and college tuition and a global pandemic for another generation. But Jesus says it's all tomorrow. It's all about tomorrow. And here's how he finishes that thought. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And here's where he proves that this is not some pie in the sky, you know, don't worry, be happy kind of teaching. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay? Even if you don't agree with anything else that Jesus says, you can agree with that. Isn't that true? Today has enough trouble of its own. So why smuggle tomorrow's trouble into today? That's what he's saying. Okay, now, the, the Sermon on the Mount, that's not the only place where Jesus taught this, which is, it's really encouraging to me, because that tells me that the original disciples had to be reminded of this. That, okay? So at the very end, you're, you're hours away from Jesus being arrested, tried, and crucified. Jesus gathered his closest followers and has to go back to this again. Okay, But by this time, on the Sermon on the Mount, they hadn't seen Jesus do a whole lot. By this point, they'd seen him do multiple miracles. They'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen him heal paralyzed people and blind people. They'd seen him feed thousands of people multiple times with a happy meal. They've seen him raise a man from the dead, and they're still worried. And so here's what he said to them in John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And then again, he goes right to the the epicenter of what worry is all about. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Worry is a faith issue. It's a trust in your heavenly father issue. And then towards the end of that conversation, he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Trust in your heavenly father father. And then he was crucified. Game over. No peace, all uncertainty, plenty to worry about. In fact, they were all so worried they ran and hid. (laughs) 
And then three days later, he rose from the dead. And suddenly, the idea of not worrying about tomorrow made perfect sense to them. Because when the guy who predicts his own death and resurrection and pulls it off says, don't worry about tomorrow, you tend to believe him. And those first century Christians and the second century Christians and the third century Christians turn the world upside down. So as we wrap this up, I, I want to give you something to do with this because I know one sermon is not going to rid your life of worry. And if we could do a, a three-month sermon series on worry and it's not going to erase worry from your life. For some of us, it's, it's a chemical imbalance thing. For most of us, we just go there. We go there emotionally. We go there mentally. It pops up. It surprises us. Worry is kind of a habit for some of us. But we can control bad habits with good habits. And so I want to give you three habits, three things. Some people call them disciplines. Three things that you can practice to go to war with worry. If you tend to worry a lot, Here's the battle plan, okay? First one, not a new idea. We talk about this often around here. Begin your day declaring your trust. Begin your day declaring your trust. One of the best habits I was taught as a high school student um, was to begin my day in God's word, to begin my day in prayer, to begin my day in journaling, whatever that looks like. Because here's the deal. Don't tell worry I told you this. But if you can get ahead of worry, you can usually stay ahead of worry. And if you can begin your day, you'll either begin your day declaring your trust on worry by worrying, or you can begin your day declaring your trust on the one who cares for you more than the birds. Many of you have already learned this habit. Some of us need to get back into it. Some of you haven't even started yet. But when you begin your day declaring to God, God, I trust you for forgiveness I trust you for provision for this thing I got coming up at work, for that thing with my kids, for, for what's happening in our world. I trust you with all of it. If you can get into that habit, you'll get ahead of worry because you're training your heart every single day. Every single morning, you're trusting your heart to trust in the only one who's worthy of your heart's trust. And you say, Tim, I, I'm not sure where to begin. Let me show you where to begin. Tomorrow morning, you get out your Bible, and you open it up to Matthew chapter 6. And you read verses 25 through 34, and you do that every single day for seven days in a row. And I think you should read them out loud. I think you should make your ears and your brain process these words from your lips every single day for the next seven days. By declaring your trust in God. Begin your day like that. Second thing. Second thing. Get in the habit of relabeling your worry tomorrow. Get in the habit of relabeling your worry tomorrow. As soon as it pops up, you just say, I'm worried about tomorrow. Well, aren't you worried about COVID? No, I'm worried about tomorrow. I, I, I'm going to be smart. I'm going to use the reason that God gave human beings. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm not going to go around licking doorknobs. I'm going to plan for tomorrow. 
and I'm going to trust God with today. Whatever your worry is about, relabel it tomorrow. I'm worried about tomorrow, and God knows what I need tomorrow and what I need today. Relabel it tomorrow. And then the third one, this is a really big idea. This should probably be a a message all by itself. Do what Jesus said. When worried about tomorrow, look for a way to participate in what what God's doing today. This is the the seek first the kingdom part. Whenever you begin to worry, whenever you go there emotionally, mentally, look for a way to participate in God's kingdom today. When you begin to worry, pray for someone going through something. Pray for someone going through the same thing you're going through. Whenever you begin to worry, sit down and write somebody a letter to encourage them. Whenever you begin to worry, call somebody, text somebody to encourage them. When you begin to worry, look for a way to be a seek first the kingdom kind of Jesus follower. In essence, Jesus is teaching us that worry is the trigger for kingdom practices. Worry is the trigger for us to look outside of our own little lives and our own little concerns and seek what he wants accomplished, not what we want to worry about. And here's Jesus' promise. You worry about my kingdom, I'll take care of yours. You seek first my kingdom, I'll worry about yours. See, it's, it's so brilliant Because you won't be able to add a single hour to your life or the lives of those around you by worrying. But you may just extend somebody else's life by praying for them. You're you're not going to be able to upgrade your wardrobe or reduce your grocery bill by worrying. But your generosity might feed and clothe somebody else. You can't keep yourself healthy by worrying. In fact, science says it actually does the opposite. You might keep yourself healthy by not worrying. And so Jesus says, I have a better way. There's a a better way. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. Trust him with today. Trust that he'll be waiting on you tomorrow and then look for ways to participate in his kingdom, in seeking first, in running after his kingdom right here and now, wherever you find yourself. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, That is a whole lot easier for me to sit here and say than it is for me to walk out of here and do. It it just seems to be a part of the human experience to worry. And for some of us, it's a a little deal. For some of us, it's a big deal. It's, It's so big that we really aren't sure that we can cast all of our cares on you because we aren't absolutely convinced that you care that much about us. So for the man or the woman who wants to see progress in this area of their life, I pray that they would find a confidence in you, that they would see your hand in their lives in such a way that it would explode their faith in you. And as worry creeps in, 
you know, even before this day is over. God, that you would bring us back to, to the teachings of Jesus, who with a smile on his face said, don't be a little faither. <laughs> Trust your heavenly Father. God, give each of us wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard and then the courage to do it. Because not only did you send your son to die for our sins, he rose from the dead. And at the end of the day, we really don't have a reason to worry. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name.